2: That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash stuff. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, San Francisco. We're coming back to see you. oh yes. Our second year in a row, we're going to be going to SF Sketch Fest. Mm-hmm. I like to think it's the premier comedy festival in the United States. Probably, well, in the world. You think so? Yeah. What about Beijing?
3: Nope. <laughs> it's, a, it's a close second, but a second.
2: Well, we love San Francisco. We love performing there. Uh, everyone is always so kind to us. And by San Francisco, we mean the entire Bay Area, of course.
3: Yeah. So we will be there doing our thing for a one-time only show mm-hmm. on Sunday, January 15th at
2: 1 p.m. Yeah, it's a rare Sunday afternoon. We're like the NFL of podcasters.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly.
2: Right? That's that's what I've always thought. So uh, all you have to do is go to the uh, SF Sketch Fest site, look at the old calendar, and there are tons of great people performing. Oh, yeah. So I suggest like just doubling down and getting tickets to all kinds of good shows.
3: For sure. And hurry up and get tickets to ours because they've only been on sale for a week or so and they're already half sold out. That's right. So please hurry, San Francisco. Please
2: hurry.
1: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
3: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and it's just us chickens here in Studio 1A.
2: Yeah, the blockhead is gone. Yeah. (laughs) Jerry the blockhead. I'm just kidding. She's not a blockhead. She's a meathead. She is a meathead. (laughs) This
3: is fun. What else is she? She's Uh, not here. We can say whatever we want. She'll never hear this. Oh, that's true.
2: Uh, Two things I've noticed today. We're both wearing blue hoodies. Oh, yeah. Yours is a recreation of the great sweater that Danny wore in The Shining, mm-hmm. uh, which I think I've told you, you love. Lee Uncrick of Pixar owns that real sweater. Oh, yeah. You did tell me that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like if you're like, you know, you got the sweatshirt version. He owns the sweater. He owns the real thing.
3: But unless he's <laughs> the same size as like a little four or five, six year old boy, he, put we put it he doesn't boy. wear it. Or put it on his own kit. Oh, after. yeah. That's probably why he had a kid. he wants <laughs> to drive him to madness. <laughs> right. Well, uh, no, to model the sweater.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and I'm wearing my high school uh, sweatshirt. The Redan Raiders. Redan, yeah. Redan. <laughs> Pecan. Uh, the other thing I noticed is I got new glasses or a new prescription. Oh, yeah? Because my eyes were clearly getting worse. And I, you're fuzzy <clears> to <throat> me, but my papers are clear uh Oh, and I should have you gotten need, the bifocals, you like might he need said. Bifocals, Gramps. I've been doing a lot of this. So. <laughs> oh, is he, that? He looked that down definitely doesn't age you at all.
3: <laughs> Chuck just pulled his glasses down uh or, or his nose and then looked over him.
2: Well, when you're at home and <clears throat> let's say you got the TV on, but you're working on your laptop, right? It's it's troublesome.
3: Have you ever heard of that? Um, I can't remember what it's called. Progressive lenses. No, it's like a type of. Basically, training your eyes to get better by denying them corrective lenses.
2: I, well, I did that for 43 years. And it didn't work? Well, I mean.
3: Or maybe it did work. I don't know. Your eyes would have been way worse had you not done that.
2: Here's what I know I know that two weeks ago, like I never wore my previous glasses prescription because it, it didn't even look like they were doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but things were getting harder to read, so I went back three years later and they were like, oh, yeah, things have changed. Um, but I was reading two weeks ago. Huh. I was just sort of holding it back a little more, maybe. Uh-huh. But now when I put these on, it's like someone turned on the lights. So I was like, holy cow, that's so clear. But is something changed in just the last few weeks? No, I think I would just—I was just used to getting by on not ah, seeing as see. clearly as I could have. I see. I got gotcha. you. Because once I put these on, I, I just couldn't believe the difference.
3: Well, good for you for doing something. Yeah, but now good it's for like
2: i got to i got to wear glasses all the time. Well, or not all the time, but when I read.
3: You remind me exactly of how I felt in fourth grade <laughs> when I got glasses. They came in and they were like, okay, everybody's doing the eye test. And, of course, you just think it's cursory, like a lice check or something like that, right? And you went and stood in the corner. And then the the, the um the nurse or whoever it was was like, uh, you need glasses. I was like, what? You're insane woman, I think is what I said. But it was a man. Right. And so that's all they knew. I proved myself <laughs> insane. Um, Yeah, right. So... Uh, uh, I ended up with glasses. And I remember feeling like, oh, man, I'm shackled for the rest of my life.
2: Yeah, that's a tough age. I don't know if glasses still have the same stigma on young kids. But when we were kids, it was definitely like, oh. Four
3: eyes and all that? Yeah. There was a bit of it. So I showed them. I went out and got the most Elton Johnny glasses I could <laughs> find. I'd love to see a picture of that. Yeah, one. they were clear <laughs> with like a thin blue like wire running through the, the frames. Nice. They were pretty awesome. Yeah. All right, so human blockheads, <laughs> yeah. So Chuck, have you ever seen the human blockhead trick? Yeah, I, I, I should not call it a trick. It's yeah, a you're stunt. Right.
2: You're right. I, I have. Like in person? Yeah, I saw. I went to a Jim Rose circus once. Ah, yeah. And the, they had a blockhead that when I went, I'm not sure if they still do. Was it Ryan Stock? I don't think so. This was a long time ago. Yeah,
3: he seems a little young to have been in the original Jim Rose show.
2: Yeah, I mean this was in like 1993 ish. Was it at Lollapalooza? Maybe because that was in the first,
3: the first part of the first Lollapalooza. They were part of that. Yeah, I was at that show. There you go. Yeah. Maybe that's where it was. Maybe so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've never seen a human blockhead, so, I mean, I I was aware of it. I'm sure I'd seen, like, references to it in cartoons or whatever, but I went online Mm -hmm. because I noticed as I was researching this, I was like, wow, I I feel like fainting for some reason. Yeah. I was like, this really makes me fainty, and uh, I went online and just exposed myself to it, and uh, it was, yeah. I didn't actually faint, but it's something.
2: Well, we should go ahead and say then, a human blockhead is a person, and we'll get into the history of it and where that name came uh, comes from, but it's a person, mm-hmm. a performer, who inserts a nail or a camping stake or a drill. A pair they, of scissors? What, something sharp uh, that would make your stomach turn mm-hmm. if you saw it jammed in a person's nose all the way. Right. And they do just that.
3: Yeah. And the reason I corrected myself earlier, I called it a trick. It's not a trick. Um, The person who performs the human blockhead or who is a human blockhead um, (laughs) would correct me and say, no, no, this is a stunt. A trick suggests that there's some sort of illusion. There's some sort of deception or stage magic going on. Yes. This is a stunt because it's exactly what you think it is. There's a nail going into the person's skull.
2: Yeah, and if you don't know and you go to one of these, you probably think... It's a trick. It's a fake nail. It's a collapsible uh-huh. or a telescoping nail uh-huh. or something. Um, maybe some sort of you know sleight of hand, like the old trick where you just turn to the side and act like you're pulling something out of your mouth. Uh, yeah. You know, that old
3: bit. Yeah. I finally figured that one out in my 20s.
2: <laughs> uh, thanks to your glasses, probably. <laughs> um, so, it, to the uninitiated, it's... Uh, People probably leave these performances sometimes saying, "Well, you know, of course that wasn't real. There's no way."
3: Right. It's true. Right. That's that's what you think, and the performers, they they play on that. Right. It's part of the the whole thing. But sure. it, it's actually legitimately the nail is not fake, and it it actually is going into the person's head. But the further misconception is that okay, if it is going into the person's head, that it's being driven into their skull, their bone. Right. Um, either. Th- Through a a new hole that they're making because they're crazy, (laughs) or an established hole that they have like um, that they they've used time and time again, like uh, an ear piercing that it's healed over. Not the case.
2: Yeah, I was about to say the body doesn't need any new holes, but I forgot about piercing. Piercing? Not that you need piercing, but that's the only thing I can think of where you would want a new hole. That's legitimate, right? (sighs)
3: Um I don't know some doctors could want new holes for you depending like uh, if you got a colostomy oh, okay. True. or a uh, tracheotomy Yeah yeah I didn't, um, I
2: didn't even think about that medical reasons Uh Or Stellark put an ear on his arm Uh
3: uh-huh. I was thinking about him I can't believe you remember that guy's name
2: Yeah Stellark. Wow he, he was a. if you didn't listen years ago we talked about him he was a performance artist who put he molded and and grafted a mm-hmm. ear Look-alike onto his arm. Survived some terrible right? infections. <laughs> it was Bluetooth compatible. Uh-huh. So he could literally hear through it. Right. I mean, you know what I mean. He, yeah. yeah they had, probably not literally hear through it. But. It
3: had like a Bluetooth mic in the ear, and then he had like a headphone yeah. in his own ear. So, yeah, he could hear what was going in the yeah. ear. With
2: assistance of technology, he could sure. hear through it.
3: Well, he's a performance artist. What do you
2: expect? But that technically wasn't a hole, though. No. It was just a fake ear on his arm.
3: No, it was a real ear. Oh, was it a real
2: ear? Uh-huh. Whose was it?
3: It was like a cloned ear grafted onto his arm. (laughs) It was basically the cutting edge of performance art
2: at the time. Yeah, I wonder what he's doing now. I've got to look that cat
3: up. He's sitting around on people's couches going like, hey, remember that time I grafted (laughs) an ear on my arm? That was pretty great, huh?
2: And he says, hey, talk to the forearm. (laughs) (laughs) And they they say, Stellark, we never get tired of that joke. Um, So should we talk about the history first or the... uh, yeah, let's, the mechanism. let's do history. I love this guy. Well, by guy, I know who you're talking about, because there can be only one, Mr. Melvin Burkhardt, who passed away 15 years ago <clears throat> in 2001 at the age of 94 years old. Mm-hmm. He's born in Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, in 1907, grew up in New Orleans mainly, and uh, quit school at an early age and became a, uh, well, he worked a couple of odd jobs, he worked for Western Union, but... Then found his calling as a sideshow performer, which we've covered right. on the show. Yeah. Along with other circus arts.
3: Yeah, you, you've you got it for circus arts. I think just about every circus art one we've ever done is your pick. Was it? But, man, we have an extensive library of circus arts. Yeah,
2: sword swallowing. Lion taming. Lion taming. Fire uh, eating. Fire eating. Do we have Fire walking. No, I don't think so. All right, look for that one soon. Yeah, for real. <laughs> or tightrope acts? No. We did circus families. We did. We've exhausted this.
3: I don't know, man. Firewalking?
2: Uh, or flea maybe circuses. We should do the uh, the wheel. Of, we talked about it. The wheel with the motorcycles in it. What's it called?
3: Oh, the the something of death. Wheel of death. No. Globe
2: of death. Maybe. Rhombus maybe the of globe death. of death. <laughs> the <rhombus> globe <laughs> of death. <laughs> clunky, a clunky ride. Right. <laughs> um, all right. So back to Mr. Burkhart. Yeah, he started performing in sideshows. He
3: did. So he was. Uh, he kind of fell into performing. He used to go to the theater a lot. And one day when he was, I think, 14 or 15 or something, uh, he jumped to his feet when the people on stage asked for volunteers to come on stage. And I guess he tripped or fell. I don't, I didn't know if it was purposeful or not. And drove a nail through his forehead. <laughs> right. <laughs> and everyone just laughed and laughed. Um, he did get some laughs, not for the nail yet. That came later. But, um, he, he was invited back for the next show, and within a day or two, he found himself with a contract to do an amateur performance. So he started um, performing at a very early age, and, and um, his, his thing initially was, and I think throughout his career, he was what was called a talker a master of ceremonies at a sideshow. Yeah. Uh you might call him a barker or something like that, but um they were the ones who kept the show going. They introduced the new uh sideshow performers as they came on and went off and he did his own act in between the other acts. Yeah. And part of his act ended up being the uh the nail, the human blockhead trick among a bunch of other stuff.
2: Yeah, so it, the, one of these quotes uh, I got his uh, New York Times obituary and um, which are always great but one of the quotes from one of his counterparts in Coney Island was so funny he said this is from uh, dick uh, mm-hmm. uh he's a sideshow guy and he said anybody can insert objects in their nasal passage up right. their nasal passage yeah but Melvin's patter and comedy made it an act right and then the other guy' this is two great quotes Todd Robbins is a magician uh who is also a blockhead at times, says anyone who has ever hammered a nail into his nose owes a large debt to Melvin Burkhardt.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a little bit of tongue-in-cheek in that obit that I'm sure Burkhardt would have appreciated. I'm sure. Um, that Todd Robbins guy actually has traced it back um, to the Jadualas. Yeah. Basically the uh, the Indian, the Hindu perf- performers, street performers. Uh-huh. Um, and they apparently did a human blockhead trick Long ago. Right. And I don't know if it was just totally coincidental that Melvin Burkhart stumbled upon it himself or yeah. if he had heard about it or seen it himself. Right. But at any rate, as far as it goes in the West, in the modern conception of the human blockhead, Melvin Burkhart was the guy who invented it.
2: Yeah, I'm sure there are probably people in India scoffing uh, at that notion. Right. Uh, but he was soon uh, discovered by none other than um, Mr. Ripley himself. And he took him on to his uh, auditorium in Manhattan, mm-hmm. had him performing, and supposedly is the one who came up with the name Human Blockhead for Rip- this act.
3: Yeah. Man, that Robert Ripley, he coined a lot of stuff.
2: I don't get it, though. I still don't get why Blockhead, it's, just, it's a dumb name. I would have called it like, I don't know what I would have called it. Give me 10 minutes, though, and I'll think of a better okay. name. Okay, <laughs> shout it out when you got it. <laughs> All right.
3: Well, I mean, like a you can hammer nails into a block of wood.
2: I guess so. Is that what he? It he was is, going? It's a
3: stupid name, but without it, we wouldn't have the Lucy from Peanuts' favorite. Um, put down. Remember, she called everybody a blockhead.
2: Oh yeah. What about the human pincushion? That's not quite right, though. That's okay. It's actually a lot more accurate. But I think there are other human pincushions, aren't there? People who yeah that do the oh, me- yeah, needles yeah. through their There'd faces be, and stuff.
3: That'd be very confusing. Yeah, you're right. I'm the pincushion. No, I'm the pincushion. <laughs> you're a blockhead. Um so he uh he actually ended up and this is where this story ties into flea circuses actually uh at Hubert's Museum on Forty Second Street, which I believe is where the Hecklers had their um flea circus for decades. Yeah. Th- and where the where it appeared uh in Easy Rider. That's
2: right. Yeah. That's right. Uh boy, it's all coming together, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> uh and he was what was known as um like some people are, uh, you know, when we did our Sideshow uh, podcast, a lot of people were born with physical deformities. Mm-hmm. that They would, um, some people say were exploited. Other people say championed. Uh, but he was not that. He was what was known as a working act. Right. So he just had some talent and uh, fortitude to do some of these things. He wasn't necessarily born with any strange nasal passage. Although he does say... He was a boxer and broke his nose, uh, such that they removed nasal bones that he thinks created this passage to um, inserting a nail into your sinus cavity. Right. Um. But it is a it exists in everyone.
3: Okay. <laughs> so so that to me is a great place to put a break. All right. You ready? Yes. Here we go. <laughs>
0: As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner.
1: Jean! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it.
0: Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Lastor on the business. I understand now, it's a wise man marries a wiser woman
2: Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: All right,
3: Chuck, you made mention that um, Melvin Burkhart was a boxer, right? Yes, a pugilist. So apparently, uh, during his boxing career, he was getting some uh, bone that had been shattered in his face, removed around his nose, around his nasal cavity. Yeah. And the story goes that he noticed that the doctors were having a really easy time sticking like a scalpel or uh, pincers or all sorts of little medical instruments rubber in chicken. his nose. <laughs> yeah, rubber chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Henny Youngman was his doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Just look him up, everybody. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, well, geez, if these guys can put the stuff in my nose, I'll bet I could too. And if I combine it with my patter and comedy, yeah. uh, I could really make a, a good show of this. And apparently that's where he was inspired to do the human blockhead trick. Yeah. He's like, I can make $50 a week. So he had something like a dozen pieces of bone removed from his nasal cavity area, from his skull.
2: For medical reasons.
3: Right. Yeah. Be- from his boxing career. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he apparently had a larger than normal nasal cavity as a result. Okay, well, that makes sense. But it's like what you said everybody has a hole in their face, <laughs> and it can be exploited to do the human blockhead trick. Yeah, we have a lot of holes in our face. So let's talk about the holes in our face. All right. Sis. Um, oh, Chuck just put his glasses on. Well, <laughs> hey,
2: I'm tired of looking over you and feeling like I'm 70.
3: So how do I look without, like. <laughs>
2: i got to get a picture of this. How do you look when I'm looking at you through the glasses? Without the glasses. Well, oh, you look great. <laughs>
3: How do I look with the glasses on? Not so great? Larger and fuzzy. So look at me over the... There you go. <laughs> wow. All right. We'll put that up okay. on Instagram. Okay.
2: All right. The holes in our face. Um, let's talk about the skull. The skull, while it appears as if it's just one big solid bowling ball, uh, with a face on the front of it, right? Um, it is not. It is twenty-two bones and all. And if you look, uh, if you've ever seen a human skull, uh, you can see this because they have sutures where it's joined together. It's, a, it's yeah. a big patchwork of of goodness, right? Protective goodness.
3: And for the most part, when you look at someone's face and you say, "Hey, high cheekbones, prominent chin," um, look at the size of those teeth and how pointy they are. That's mm-hmm. crazy. These are these are actually like features of either the bone themselves or the bone underneath the skin. That's your facial features, right? Right. But there's one very prominent exception to this rule, um, and that's your nose. Yeah. Your nose is not the result of uh, a protrusion of bone with skin stretched over it. Most of your nose is made of cartilage. That's right. Right? So there's actually very little bone involved in your skin, just on the bridge, or with your nose, just on the bridge of the nose. That's right. Okay? So, beneath the bridge of the nose, everybody, I want you to take your finger, uh-huh. put it between your eyes, mm-hmm. and then just press down. That's Ouch. the bridge of your nose. Not too hard, not that hard. Okay. <laughs> and then just go slide, start to slide a little further down. Ow, ow. That is not bone any longer. That's cartilage. Yeah. And behind that cartilage, friends, there's a big old hole in the center of your face.
2: Have you ever had your nose broken?
3: Uh, let me just knock on wood like 50 times.
2: No. no. Have you ever been punched in the nose? Yes. But didn't break it? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I've never had my nose broken. I've never been you better, punched. You better knock on wood. At all. Yeah. Uh, no, never been in a fight. That's great. It is, but I kind of feel like I should get in a fist fight. Oh, you could before go it's start all over. one. <laughs> Y'all like Fight Club, thing, remember that?
3: There's this thing called bars. Yeah, right. And if you go
2: out at certain <laughs> times, uh, you can get into a fight pretty easy. I was always the guy that was breaking up, like, like, oh, guys, like it would be much more fun if we all just kept drinking, right, and did not get in a fight, right, like that. That there's nothing that'll ruin a night more than sure a bar fight. It's yeah. all over. Bar fights suck. Yeah, across the board. Plus, I never, I always had a very strong inclination to not get punched in the face.
3: I think that's a sensible inclination. So
2: I was, well, not really. You, you know, you see how some people act, and some people, some dudes love to fight. Some ladies love to fight. You know? Yeah. Like they go out looking for it. Sure. I don't know that that's to be
3: admired or celebrated in any, oh, any no, way. It's the worst. Sure.
2: Those people, like, I, 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 when I lived in Arizona that short year, I'd picked up just, you know, f- friends at my restaurant. Mm hmm and one of the friends of the dude that worked there was one of the most uncomfortable people to hang out with i've ever experienced oh yeah he was always looking to get in a fight oh, everywhere yeah? we went and it just What's up i with was that? so fraught with anxiety you know tons of anger inside and is it just anger like though that. don't
3: you wonder if stuff like that is hormonal like that guy's hormones are tuned a little no, a little
2: out of i bet you there's a lot of factors yeah hormones upbringing anger from childhood yeah but uh, all I know is is that I was like, uh, uh, felt like I was going to have a heart attack every time I was near this dude. Yeah, so I was just waiting for the inevitable fist fight.
3: Wouldn't it be neat if that guy listens? He doesn't listen. He's listening right now, <laughs> knows who you're talking about, and has just started sobbing uncontrollably, like he's just had a breakthrough. That'd be great because you mentioned his childhood.
2: And he's not listening. No, I can guarantee you that. So. Um, Oh, yeah, the nose. Yeah, yeah. So cartilage, the nose is easy to break, is kind of where I was getting. Oh, yeah. Uh, but technically,
3: you're not cartilage. really breaking it. Oh, really? Because it's cartilage. I guess you can break cartilage. Don't listen to me.
2: <laughs> so um, what you've also got in that, in your face up front of that skull is um, there all kinds of spaces. Uh, it, there are these little hollow places called sinuses. Right. Uh, you got your eye sockets, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're the old reliable foreman magnum, which is where the brainstem ex- exits the skull.
3: That really has nothing to do with this episode.
2: It doesn't. This is just sort of a breakdown of what's going on in your face.
3: Tracy's... Oh, by the way, this is a Tracy Wilson joint. Sure. Um, and she's just trying to prove her point that there's lots of holes in the skull.
2: That's right. <laughs> but the, the, the only holes that matter for a blockhead are the nostrils and, I would say, the nasal cavity.
3: Right. And the nasal cavity is that hole in your skull, in the front of your skull where your nose goes, and um, it leads all the way back to your throat, actually.
2: Yeah, which is very important, actually, for other acts that we'll talk about.
3: Yeah. So, the the area where it terminates at the throat is called the nasopharynx, and all of this is just wide open. Yeah. it, it, you can stick whatever you want in there. Um, <laughs> Please don't. And you can do it without nailing, without hammering, without anything like that. You can just slide it in, right? Yeah. Physically speaking, we'll get into how all the reasons why that's very difficult. But just physiologically speaking, there's a big old hole in, in the front of your face. There's a, a lot of empty space behind it going all the way back to your throat. And so yeah. the human blockhead takes advantage of this this um, uh these holes, right? But it wouldn't be so great if you could just look at somebody and say, hey, that's, well, it's great. You're just sliding a a nail into a hole in an open passage that doesn't do anything. The trick, the illusion is based on the natural formation of our nose and our nostrils, which appear to go upward. Yes. Which is not the case. Actually, if you pull your nose back and look (laughs) into a mirror, you see that the hole is behind them, not above them. Right, and that's the whole illusion.
2: Yeah, like you feel like when you blow your nose, that snot is coming down from like the top of your head. Right, and that's not the case.
3: No, it's coming from the back.
2: That's right. It's the ceiling uh, is just about even with the top of the nose, right below your eyes. The ceiling of the nasal cavity, right? Yeah, yeah. not the ceiling of your your bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> In right. uh, the floor of the nasal cavity is about level with what's known as the alar. Cartilage, A L A R. Yes, uh, which is where the nostrils are.
3: Right, that's the the bottom of your your nostrils.
2: Yeah. So when you see, like you said, when you see the trick, the fact that it's not going up and it's just going straight in uh-huh. makes people go, "Oh my god, what is going on?"
3: He's driven a uh, nail right into his, the bone of his skull. That's what it looks like. That's right. And by the way, if you want a good uh, a good view of what all this looks like, I stumbled upon a horrific photo of somebody whose nostrils. I guess they're this the uh, the cartilage that separates their nostrils into two.
2: Yeah, there's got to be a name for that, right?
3: It's gone, and the whole nose is the skin of the nose is being pulled back, so you can see the skull behind it. Uh huh. So if you wanted to, just type in "alar cartilage" in Google search, image search, and you will you'll be as unhappy as I am for having seen it. I was gonna go around there and look. Do you want
2: to see it? Nah, it's pretty crazy. No, nah, that's all right. Okay. I'll, I'll look it up later because I know I'll, I'll want to. I'll okay. be lying in bed tonight thinking of it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I'm not doing it. Uh, so to finish up, though, on the cavity, it is not just a smooth, straight thing either. They have um, There are these grooves called con- conchae, C-O-N-C-H-A-E, mm-hmm. I'm going to say conchae, <laughs> yeah. conchae, yeah. Um, on the walls. And they hold on to the moisture when you exhale, and that's going to keep everything nice and lubricated, which is what you want in there. Right. Uh, thanks to the mucous membrane that lines all these surfaces and keeps everything nice and, I'm not going to say the M word, but nice and... Uh, Moist? <laughs> yeah. Everybody hates that word, huh? Eh, yeah, not everyone. It's but not there a is a great word. There's science behind it. Oh, okay. There, I, I can't remember. I posted an article for Mental Floss. Apparently there's some science behind why people don't like that word.
3: Nice. So when you're doing the human blockhead trick, I should change that. When you're... When you're seeing a, a professional do the human blockhead trick, um, what they're doing is they're they're sliding the nail. Mm-hmm. Let's just stick with the nail. Sure. The nail into their nasal cavity. Mm-hmm. They want to usually hug the alar cartilage, the floor of their nasal cavity. Yeah. Try to avoid the concave. Uh-huh. Isn't that what you decided? That's pronounced. Yeah. And, and they're pushing it all the way back uh-huh. into their nasopharynx. Right. You've yeah. got about six, eight inches of space to deal with. From, Is it that much? From your nostril back to the nasopharynx, yeah. Wow. Um, and uh, they, the human blockhead to... to make it so it's not just sliding a nail into your nose, which is gross, but that's pretty playgroundy. they will take a hammer yeah, yeah, and they will hold on to the nail very tightly uh-huh. and they will make <laughs> it look like they're hammering yeah. the nail into their skull. And they'll go like, oh, oh. Right. Yeah. And there's the sound of the hammer uh-huh. against the nail and it sounds really painful where really you can just take the thing and slide it in easy peasy. Yeah, that's called stagecraft. Right. So all of this sounds extremely easy and in a sense it is. But there are a lot of obstacles to performing this trick successfully. And we'll talk about those right after this.
1: A new season of Bridgerton is here.
0: As important as choosing the right destination when traveling, is choosing the right travel partner.
1: Jean, Eugene, Fodor. Jean, will what it?
0: Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Jean, and last time on these business, I understand now. It's a wise man, Marie's a wiser woman.
2: Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I don't think we should go any further without a serious COA message. Yeah. It seems obvious, but do not try to stick a nail in your nose. Because Josh and Chuck said it was possible. Yeah, that's really good, Chuck. Um, the human anatomy, the anatomy of a of a face and a skull makes it possible.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We advise no one to ever try this, right? Unless you uh, want to get into the circus arts legitimately. Mm-hmm and want to take the steps to, like, really learn how to do this. Right.
3: I actually ran across this um, Theory11.com forum where a a novice was asking how Uh to do this, and this guy named William Draven replied, and I thought he had a pretty good COA himself. He said, like, "Um, if you do want to do this, I in no way advocate um, learning from reading text on the Internet or even watching videos. Totally. Go find somebody who is a, who has successfully performed this trick mm-hmm. numerous times yeah. and then learn from them directly. Yes. Don't learn from totally. guys like us. Don't learn from reading William Draven's comments on the internet. Yeah. Don't, don't read it from anybody. Go find somebody who knows this trick and, and learn it from them. Yeah.
2: And where do you find that person? They're the guy in the corner of the bar with the nail in their nose. Sure. (laughs) It's pretty easy. Right.
3: Or they live in a town called Winter Something in Florida.
2: (laughs) Um, And I did look, we keep saying dudes, I did try and find to see if there are any women out there who did this. I didn't find any, but I'm sure there there, there are supposedly more than 100 human blockheads around the world. Go find one of them. I'm sure some uh, women do this. I'm sure. It's just not a prominent Google search to type in, you know, woman blockhead. (laughs) Right, <laughs> come up yeah. with a lot of Well, you come with some weirdo guy. porn yeah.
3: too, I'm sure. <laughs> the also, I, I think every single time I've ever said "guys," I've I've meant it as a gender neutral. word. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So, um, one thing Tracy points out is that all noses are different, uh, and sometimes to reach your nasal cavity, you might the lower edge of your nostril might be in the way. So, you know, sometimes it might just glide right in, and you look the same. But sometimes it will like, if you do it right, it'll, You know, your nose will stick up like, you know, like your snout will stick out like a pig. Right. Because the nail's holding it up. Sure. Other noses, it might just look normal. Right. It, except for the fact that there's a nail through it.
3: Um, a lot of people who do this, most people, I should say, who do it, practice initially with a Q-tip. That's probably
2: smart, right?
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, you want to practice with a Q-tip. And one reason why you want to practice with a Q-tip is, number one, it's, I would guess it'd be harder to injure yourself with a Q tip, sh- although I'm sure it'd still be quite easy. Sure. Um, and then the Q tips are kind of fuzzy. Oh, yeah. And so one of the hardest things to overcome doing the human blockhead trick or stunt is overcoming the sneezing reflex. Yeah. That's the biggest one. I mean, there's all sorts of other problems. Like, if you use something that's not clean, um, you set yourself up for sinus infection because you're sticking foreign objects back there around your sinuses. Yeah. Um, you can damage the very soft mucous membranes and tissue that are around that line your nose and nasal cavity and your sinuses and your nasopharynx. Yeah. Yeah. But w- one of the one of the biggest challenges is overcoming the sneezing reflex, which can combine
2: all this stuff, all these dangers, yeah. and then increase them tenfold. Yeah, if you're trying to stick a nail in your head, in the early stages, mm-hmm. and you sneeze, that you know sneezing can be a very violent reaction. So let's talk about sneezing real quick. All right,
3: all right. So Tracy went to the trouble of outlining how a sneeze works. Right, it's pretty neat. So you've got um, a sneeze uh, has a ref- what's called a reflex arc. Any yeah. kind of reflex as far as the human body is concerned, consists of a reflex arc. And it's made up of a receptor. Mm -hmm. In this case, um, we've got nerve endings in our noses. Yeah. Those are the receptors.
2: Yeah, and they're the things that say, you know, I just snorted pepper up my nose. Yeah. Or this house is dusty. Sure. Or whatever might cause you, uh, you know, animal dander, whatever.
3: Hops and beer for me.
2: Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. So, like, if you literally smell, like, an IPA?
3: I don't even have to smell it. I can just, just drinking it. Oh, really? Yeah.
2: Just, like, one good sneeze and then you're fine? Or no, you about, like, 80. The, really? Yeah. <laughs> wow.
3: Hops gets me. Hops and peppermint. Huh. Yeah. Um, so, you've got, you've got the stimulus against the receptor. The receptor's got the, the, uh, sensory nerve mm-hmm. leading up to the integration center of your brain. The, the whatever center integrates all of this information for that particular reflex that's right uh your uh, motor nerve which says hey go do this yep and then what's called an effector and in the case of sneezing an effector is the process the physical process of sneezing right
2: yeah which you know everyone <laughs> everyone sneezes Sure. Let's get real. You know what was
3: interesting to me, Chuck, is you know when you're researching yawning, uh-huh. you yawn. When you research
2: itching, did you sneeze? You scratch. Didn't sneeze. Yeah, I, didn't, I thought the same thing. Really? I wonder if I'm going to start sneezing, and I nope. did not. It's not suggestible. Nope. Totally uh, reactive thing. Yeah. So uh, when you sneeze, you know you you might start off with your eyes watering, uh, and you're going to secrete some fluid from your nasal passage, and then there's that abrupt like pre-sneeze breath that you draw in from your diaphragm. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that has a name. Let's just call it the pre-sneeze. Breath. Breath. Sure. (laughs) I think we just coined it. (laughs) And then, like Robert Ripley. (laughs) And then your diaphragm and uh, muscles in your chest contract really quickly, and the air leaves that nose and mouth really quickly. Um, Do you have a sneeze pattern, or is it random?
3: Um. No, I, I'm sure I follow a pattern.
2: I almost always sneeze in threes. Yeah. Is yours three?
3: Yes. Oh, wow. But, I mean, it depends. Like, I seriously will sneeze eight or nine times. Right,
2: if you're drinking a hoppy beer. Right. Um. Yeah, I'm almost always three, and when it's not, it's it stands out to me as being unique.
3: Or incomplete?
2: So, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Or sometimes I'll sneeze later and think, like, oh, yeah. Oh, there's the third. There it is. <laughs> Which is silly. It's like celebrity deaths. I wonder about, I meant to look that up, though. I wonder if there's any science to that sneezing pattern. Sure, there's there's science to everything. That's true. Science and magic. Um, <laughs> so you can put off a sneeze. You've probably done that before. Uh, that tickling sensation just goes away. Those are, to me, the incomplete things, because you felt like, or I feel like, you know, mm-hmm. so close. Mm-hmm. And I clearly needed to sneeze. Mm-hmm. But you didn't. If your body doesn't sneeze, and it it... it warded itself off.
3: Yeah, and uh, so the 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 point of all this sneezing talk is that part of mastering the human blockhead stunt is reducing your sneeze reflex, and apparently it can be done just by exposing y- yourself yeah. to a sneeze reflex over and over and over again.
2: So you just stick that Q-tip in there, you sneeze, you do it again, you sneeze, you do it again, you sneeze, you go eat a TV dinner uh-huh. and take a little break. Right. Because it's tough. Yeah, sneeze and you're out. mad. You're you really go, mad. Get really pissed off. And then you come back, and then you do it again, and then eventually, a few days later, a few weeks later, you've lost all your friends, mm-hmm. but you don't sneeze when you stick something up your nose. Right. Victory.
3: Yeah. I also saw that um, if you uh, if you are a human blockhead, you want to basically scrub down any new stunt nail that you've got. <laughs> <laughs> with this, with steel wool, and then
2: soak it in rubbing alcohol for a while to prevent sinus infections. I'm picturing like a a carny thriller where someone creeps in and like switches out the nail with <laughs> some pathogen like, on the end man. of it. <laughs> no, I'm dead. Uh, so, like I said, there are over a hundred people doing this around the world. Supposedly, um, Ryan Stock, who you mentioned earlier, has become pretty famous because he's been on. I think he had a TV show of his own. He then, was definitely on America's Got Talent. Yeah, but. and he does all sorts of things. Uh, he and his wife. Oh, is she in on, on, on the act? Oh,
3: yeah. She's definitely part of it. Amberlynn.
2: So, he, like I said, he does all kinds of things, but um, one of his most notable tricks is a spin on this called the human meathead, where, uh, just look it up, Ryan Stock, he puts a meat hook. Mm-hmm. And remember how he said it was connected to the throat. Mm-hmm. He, he will go all the way through his nose, <laughs> out of his mouth with the end of the hook. Right then he'll pull stuff around.
3: He actually pulled a th- almost a 1,300-pound car. Yeah. He holds the world record. As being the only
2: person to ever do it.
3: you got to hear this, <laughs> the, the title of this world record. He has a world record for the heaviest vehicle pulled using a hook through the nasal cavity and <laughs> out of the mouth. 1,598.35-pound <laughs> car. No idea how much that is in kilograms.
2: Yeah. Uh, I remember my brother, he ate something when he was, it was the first time i realized that was all connected uh-huh. he laughed a lot <laughs> when eating hamburger and coughed hamburger through his nose or
3: milk through the nose when you made your friend laugh that yeah, was always that's a classic bit man <laughs> you just were triumphant the rest of the day oh yeah i actually um have found if i'm jogging like i always chew gum uh-huh. and i like break the gum slowly into small pieces and i eventually like eat it or whatever really but there's like a, a few moments where like there there's a small piece of gum separated from the rest of the gum, and I've noticed every once in a while, I don't know what sets it off, but I'll just snot it out. Like, it'll really? shoot up my throat and then psh, out my nose. And
2: this happened more than once? Yes. <laughs> I don't, you're either not jogging right, you're not chewing gum right, <laughs> right. there's something, there's a breakdown Yeah, happening.
3: I don't think you're supposed to do that. It's true. Weird. Yeah. Does it hurt? No, it's just surprising. Right. <laughs> Are
2: you sure it's the gum? What do you mean?
3: Oh yeah, uh, not no, a it's or like pieces of brain. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever hear about the woman who had like a runny nose for twenty years, and she finally went to the doctor, and they're like, "That's cerebrospinal fluid. Oh your brain God. is leaking out of your nose." Was she okay? I guess. I mean, she lived with it for decades.
2: That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, and there's this other guy that I want to mention too. Uh, the faith healer. Oh yeah. John of God, and this made me want to do, I'd love to do a show on faith healing, period, and a show on psychic surgery. Okay. Like, those are definitely on the list now. Um, but he is a famous uh, Brazilian faith healer who, um, I mean, he's, he's big. Like, if he's, he's way more famous than I thought he was, because uh-huh. I hadn't heard of him. Okay. But he's big time. And um, he does these, he has a couple of kind of operations, uh, one visible and one invisible. And one of the visible ones is he sticks forceps up the nose of people and to supposedly heal them of certain things. Mm -hmm. And apparently he was exposed by the great James Randi, the amazing Randi, who we talked about, the the, the great legendary skeptic.
3: Old sourpuss. puss. (laughs) <laughs> is that his name? That's what I call him.
2: Did you ever see the documentary? No, I haven't yet. It's really good. There's a great documentary called um, An Honest Liar mm-hmm. about the amazing Randy. He's just so interesting. But he he, I think ABC or CBS or someone got him involved, yeah, ABC TV, to expose uh, John of God. And he said, well, for sure, one of the things, I mean, he's exposed psychic surgeons before. Right. But he said, this forceps up the nose thing is nothing more than the blockhead trick. Sure. Uh, and that's all he's doing. All right. fraud.
3: <laughs> we'll do a human, uh, or no, a psychic surgery one for sure. That sounds pretty interesting.
2: I remember seeing that when I was a kid. I thought it was like the real
3: deal. That apparently Andy Kaufman like went yeah. to a psychic surgeon and then figured out the scam. So sad. So says Milos Forman, at least.
2: Yeah, <laughs> he's like, oh, chickens in the hand. I see it. Yep.
3: Uh, you got anything else? Uh, I do not. Uh, if you want to know more about human blockheads, you can type those words in the search bar, at howstuffworks.com. You can search "human blockhead" online. There is at least one good Melvin Burkhardt performance on YouTube. Don't forget to look up "alar cartilage." Um, no Ryan Stock, and also shout out to um, Zen Arts LA for their article on uh, blockheads that was helpful as well. Since I said all that, it's time, friends, for listener mail. So, Chuck, I guess this is the last one of the year. Yeah. Yeah, we should say before we do mail, um, Happy New Year, everybody.
2: Yeah, be safe. We want to see everyone in 2017. And um, we kind of said it in the Christmas episode, but thanks for everything over the years. Yeah, for real. Uh, It means a lot to us, and uh, we we just can't wait to get things going again. And by your calendar, just a couple of days. (laughs)
3: By your Earth calendar. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, also, on a personal note, happy birthday to my darling wife, Yumi. Happy birthday, Yumi. Okay, well, it's time for Listener Mail, huh? Uh,
2: I'm going to call this uh, Banning Advertising to Kids. We heard okay. from a lot of people on this.
3: It's a hot topic.
2: Uh, hey, guys, live in Northern Virginia. Just listened to your show on advertising for children. Want to relay an, ex- uh, relay an experience we had with our eighteen then 18-month-old daughter. Uh, we were on vacation with her in Florida. Had a day with nothing on our to-do list, so we decided to take a drive to Walt Disney World.
3: We also found a bag full of cash in our <laughs> glove compartment.
2: <laughs> My husband was uh, was hesitant about going because of her young age and the fact that she had zero exposure to Disney at this point. I persuaded him by saying she would enjoy the parades seeing the characters, even if she didn't know who they were. The literally only television she had ever seen at that point was educational programming on PBS Kids, and that was even minimal. So as we turned onto the road trying to make our way to the Magic Kingdom, there was a water tower in the distance. Uh, decorated like uh, Mickey Mouse Ears and all And my daughter immediately shouted Look, it's Mickey Mouse <laughs> 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 um, But they were like Wait, what? Yeah. How
0: do you know that?
2: Uh, my husband and I were both completely surprised uh, We could not believe that our daughter Had been indoctrinated into recognizing That brand at only 18 months um, Especially since we hadn't taught her that uh, Most likely she was shown a toy Or a book at daycare Uh, It is not that we were against uh, Disney or anything, obviously, because we were taking her there. It's just very shocking to see your young child parrot that information. This could also
3: be evidence of reincarnation.
2: (laughs) Well, at least, what if it was like a billboard and she's like, look, it's Newt Gingrich. (laughs) (laughs) That would be cause for alarm. Uh, I know this advertising is everywhere and it's nearly impossible to avoid. I just hope uh, we can eventually teach her to not be fooled and use critical thinking to make decisions rather than her emotions. Nice. Uh, thanks for all you do to make my long commute so much more enjoyable. That is from Stacy. And she says, my daughter now is nearly five and gets annoyed by commercials. So she pauses television until she can fast forward through them all. One point for technology.
3: Nice. Well, thanks a lot, Stacy. We appreciate that. It's a cool story. Agreed. hope you guys had a good time at Disney World. Um, and uh, that's it, right? Yep. Well, if you want to get in touch with us like uh, Stacy did, you can tweet to us at uh, Josh Um Clark or SYSK Podcast. You can hang out with Chuck on Facebook.com slash Charles W. Chuck Bryant uh, or Facebook.com slash stuff you should know. Send us an email to Stuff Podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com.
2: 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit visible.com. The visible monthly rate is $25 per month.
3: In Puerto Rico, there's adventure around every corner and natural treasures waiting to be explored, like El Yunque, the only tropical rainforest in the U.S. Get swept away by natural beauty and come away with unique stories that could only be experienced in Puerto Rico and that remind you why you travel in the first place. Visits end, but stories last forever. You don't become a part of the island, it becomes a part of you. No passports required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.